0: Welcome to GEC Important Talks. This is a podcast series presented by the team at Global Education Connection, a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing children who are affected by conflict or natural disaster with resources like educational materials and art supplies. As a part of this podcast, we want to talk about important topics related to children, their human rights, and their education. Of course, Neither of us is an expert on these topics. We speak only to our knowledge, personal experiences, perspectives, and opinions, but there are many credible online sources for further information. Today we have myself, Catherine Slaughterback, and... Arterbeck As your hosts. And today we're going to be talking about um, Sweden's bid to join NATO. Um, but before we get into that, here's just a quick word about our business sponsorship program.
1: Yes. So the work that we do at Global Education Connection is made possible because of the generous support of our donors, and that includes individual people as well as businesses. And if you yourself have a business or you work for a business that you think might want to be able to support the work that we do, reach out to us on our website. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, thank you all so much. And stick around to the end of the episode to learn about more ways you can help support GEC Important Talks and the work we do here at Global Education Connection. Um, including through things like our Patreon, which I will have linked in the description below. So, Sweden. Obviously, um, I think since February of 2022, there's been a lot of talk about NATO um, since the invasion of Ukraine. Of course, NATO had always been talked about before that, since it's a big deal, um, especially for things like international peace and security, our uh close alliances with countries in europe as well as russia um in general since it was created in the aftermath of world war ii um to prevent world war iii from happening as well as to uh counter the soviet union's um warsaw pact with its satellite states in eastern europe so it's it's been this um strength uh, or pillar of international security um in europe uh going back decades. So it's really important to, um, like like I said, all of that. That's why it's in the news so often. That's why um, countries like Ukraine have enshrined in their constitution that something they want to accomplish is membership into NATO. Um, and that's why Finland, Sweden, Georgia, and Bosnia and Herzegovina, Her- Her- I'm saying that wrong, I know I am, but um, have been trying to get into NATO um, for years now,
1: yeah. the The real benefit of NATO is that it's almost like having contractually obligated friends. Um, yeah. NATO <laughs> is a, a yeah, really, it is. It's NATO is a collective defense um, agreement, and it's really meant to be a deterrence against aggression. And Catherine, like you said, it was it was really created because of because the world was seeing. Uh, the Lots of European powers were seeing that there was aggression coming from the Soviet Union. With, And, and I, I think it makes sense that Ukraine has it in their constitution that a goal is to join NATO. Because if you don't have a collective defense agreement, you're fighting your enemies by yourself rather than with your friends. And in this case, your friends will be contractually obligated. And that's the real benefit of NATO is pulling together your defense resources. So adding countries is a big deal because it 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 adds to the pool of of the total defense that is capable defense capabilities of NATO.
0: Yeah, you know, we've spoken about it before. Article five, an attack on one of us is an attack on all of us. So if one country is attacked, all members of NATO are forced to respond. Um, We've seen this used after 9-11. Bush invoked that uh, when we invaded Afghanistan, and and that's why countries like the UK got involved. So this is a serious thing. It's been used before, and that's why it's such a big deal that we're adding new member states, particularly um, last year. There was a lot of talk about Finland getting accepted because of how much border space that added between NATO and Russia, how that would be taken by Russia, given that they have been staunchly anti-NATO expansion, for obvious reasons. Um, yeah. So now, by adding countries like Sweden or others, you're just kind of continuing to poke that beast.
1: I wouldn't say we're continuing to poke the beast. I think you're referring to po- possibly antagonizing Russia in this instance. But I, I wouldn't say yeah. that we're, we're poking the beast. If anything... Nate, Sweden and Finland had a neutrality stance leading up to the full-scale invasion of Ukraine in February of 22. But once a neighboring country of Russia is invaded, it makes the other neighbors probably a little bit nervous for good reason. Um, Finland has been invaded twice by the Soviet Union. Um, With the Winter War, um 1939 the Soviet Union attempted to annex Finland just like they have uh stated that they've annexed Crimea and they tried to uh, they tried to overthrow the government in Ukraine in February of 22 so rightly so Finland does not exactly have the best history with their uh with their their bordering neighbor and now that border is 800 miles long so that's quite a large border so that 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 itself is is a weak point. If you if you have a, a neighboring country that is aggressive and has a history of trying to annex you and annex its other neighbors, then that makes you a little bit nervous. So it made sense for Finland to put aside their neutrality stance and apply for NATO accession.
0: Of course, I'm not disparaging the membership. I'm just saying, from the perspective of Russia, they are going mm-hmm. to look at that as. Obviously, the West overreaching, overstepping, because Russia has explicitly stated that they didn't want NATO um, expansion because of the threat that it poses to Russia. How you interpret that threat is, of course, very subjective, but um Well, it, obviously, because it,
1: it, it decreases the the capability of, of Russia to be able to annex their neighbors. That's why they're upset yeah, with exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, and that if, that
0: threat is their neighbors being able to defend themselves.
1: Exactly. So exactly that that is the threat is is like like you said that na- the neighbors now have have quite a few friends. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, Finland and Sweden both decided to put put aside their uh neutrality stance after Ukraine had their full scale invasion. Um, I believe. They did a joint application, but then it got separated. Um, and right off the bat, there was quite a bit of agreement from the other um partying party countries with NATO, um, except for Hungary and Turkey. Hungary, um, Viktor Orban was very vocal in his opposition because well, actually, he's been very vocal in his opposition of Russia in general. I know he uh he and Putin, they have a um a real a I mean I would say they have pretty uh, probably a um a, a decent relationship. Um I I, th- I think they they were on on speaking terms ter- in ter- in regards to the uh two countries. Uh, Victor Orbán has been very vocal against sanctions um imposed against Russia. Uh he stated that the European Union needs um the Russian resources, but since the European Union kind of pushed aside Hungary's um Veto, they push that aside, and they've been able to actually do quite well. Um, they've been able to find alternative sources of of for their energy needs, and so they really don't need what Russia is, what Russia claims they they are so important to have. Um, so, really, those were the only two countries that voiced opposition right away, and we'll get into why Turkey was vo- um, voicing their opposition. But I think Orban and Putin just have a. a, a probably the best relationship of any eu country
0: yeah hungary has definitely been leans more conservative than other european states um it's kind of known for i don't want to say being a problem but being that kind of the last man standing the last one kind of dragging their feet and that's not even going into all of the human rights violations and stuff that go on in Hungary. But it's even even now, like earlier today, as of this recording, um, Viktor Orban was like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get to it, we'll approve it, yeah, yeah." Um, but then like members of the Hungarian government were like, "Yeah, it's not a big deal to us. We'll get to it when we get to it." So it's like,
1: well, the Hungarian Parliament is currently on recess. So it's kind of like, kind of like our Congress, where they're like, hey, this is a well-deserved break, we're going to, we're going to, to use this break, and we'll come back when we come back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but, like, Hungary has not put forward any substantive objections to Sweden NATO membership, they've just kind of been like, we'll get to it, but it's kind of, when, like, because uh, uh, Orban had also said, "You know, we won't be the last country to approve them," and now they are. So,
1: and Hungary throughout the this whole conflict in Ukraine has been really a thorn in the side of the the allies trying to support Ukraine. They have continuously voted to reject aid being sent to Ukraine, um, and it's 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 really, I I can't understand why or what the rationale is behind the the hungarian government for doing this other than they really don't want to upset russia by supporting ukraine and and if if hungary was standing by themselves they wouldn't stand a chance but i think because turkey was vo- voicing their opposition hungary uh utilized that and was able to also say hey we we oppose this as well but now that yeah, because- now that uh, but now that Turkey um, accepted Sweden, then Hungary Hungary will will you, we will see that Hungary will have no real object objection.
0: Yeah, and whether or not you agree with Turkey's objections, the reasons for their objection, they did put forward legitimate reasons. Correct. Um, so, like I said, whether or not you agree with them, because it's really kind of subjective about things that were going on specifically in Sweden with um, an organization that Turkey had labeled a terrorist group. Uh, It's a whole mess of kind of interconnected politics and things to do with the Quran uh, because there was Quran burnings and a lot of, um, I think religious tension as well, that kind of heightened all of this. But Sweden has worked with Turkey to address those concerns, which is why um, turkey 's parliament finally gave the go ahead yesterday they passed it um, he erdogan <laughs> just has to he just has to sign it and that 'll be the yes
1: so now that so it was, it's kind of strange because Erdogan was the one that ri- originally voiced the opposition and then he has to give the go ahead, or he had to give the go ahead to Parliament to be able to vote on it. So he said, "Yes, we accept what well, the changes that Sweden and Finland have made." Parliament, I give you my my blessing to go ahead and vote on it. In which they were obviously they they were they're going to go along with with Erdogan on it. And then after after they pass it, which they did, Erdogan's going to sign it, and then just going to be waiting on Hungary. And then, um, but they're the they're the last one standing.
0: Yeah, you know, I think he, uh, Orban really overplayed his hand with this because now everyone's looking at Hungary like, what's yeah, what's your what's your game plan here?
1: Yeah, abso- absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, there was a twenty-month delay from the time that the original application was was submitted to NATO until now, when uh, the Turkish Parliament has um, voted to approve Sweden's uh, accession to NATO.
0: Yeah, I mean Finland was approved last April, I believe, so it's it's even been a significant period of time since then.
1: And I think we should we should note there uh, some of the Catherine like you said, there were some very clear and concise um objections that the Turkish government st- stated um with in regard to Finland and Sweden. Uh Finland was able to like you said very, pretty quickly make those changes that they wanted, but some of them were the Swedish government um, not being as strict with what's known as the PKK. Um, the PKK is the Kurdistan Workers' Party. Now, the United States, Canada, Turkey—they've designated the PKK as a terrorist organization. Um, and Sweden is is known for a um, is known for very much a, a free speech country and they were not being as strict with PKK as maybe Turkey wanted. And so we saw some instances with some Quran burnings, and there was even some speculation that some of these burnings were false flags, uh false flag operations potentially by um by Russians. And there was some evidence that was that was um that was found that they, there was some funding by um Russian individuals or entities that help to fund these certain protests. And so, but that's also not something that we should be surprised about. Um, Russia definitely has a history of trying to meddle in that way with either elections or protests or being able to, to really buy people. And that was something that Turkey that made Turkey very mad because burning a Quran is obviously um, disrespectful to to them, and they they took that quite seriously. So they wanted some they wanted one some stricter regulations when it came to P- the PKK party in Sweden, and we even saw that with Sweden extraditing um, one of the the members, a PKK supporter, uh, to Turkey um, in, with this NATO bid. So uh, Sweden did send a uh, PKK supporter uh, to to Turkey for um, for certain alleged crimes. In addition, there was also some regulations with uh, defense spending and military uh, purchases, and Turkey wanted those relaxed uh, so that way they're able to beef up um, their military. Um, On the table was also a twenty billion dollar f-16 um purchase and as as well as a f-16 like revamp um they wanted to improve like the avionic systems of the f-16s just do basically like a a technology overhaul on them and so that's something that the u.s was holding as a as a piece of leverage in this in this uh deal where they said turkey we really need you to approve this uh the the Sweden and Finland accession and in return we will approve the uh uh the the bid for Turkey to purchase um uh, this, this large defense package
0: yeah and for certain, for Sweden to make the concessions that you mentioned earlier with the extraditing the member and the other work they did, I think that just really demonstrates how seriously that they wanted this, how seriously they they took their application to NATO. Uh, yep. which also represents how big of a threat Europe is currently taking Russia, because prior to this, it, like like you said, they were neutral. It wasn't a concern. Um, but, but now that they've seen how Russia is willing to violate international law, to invade another country, to commit a- accused war crimes against civilians, um, to be accused of ethnic cleansing against Ukrainian children, um, that's a really serious threat that a lot of countries are taking seriously, which is why so many are now starting to beef up their military to apply to joint institutions like NATO. So I, I think that really demonstrates how seriously um, the threat currently is, even if it might not necessarily feel like it here in the U.S.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And to people that haven't been to Ukraine which is mo- most people have not been to Ukraine during this conflict but uh, as a nonprofit we we have and we've been able to to work there with the kids that have been affected and while we're there there's air raid sirens going off in the middle of the night or or even during the day i mean it is it is terrorism that the russian military is is imposing upon the the civilian population of ukraine so rightfully so finland and sweden um saw this and very quickly submitted their bids to to join nato because they realized that they need friends um for a fight if it ever ever comes
0: yeah so in that regard russia shot itself in the foot with how staunchly they were against nato expansion um i had we not seen this i don't think it would have happened or it would have taken far longer um
1: So um, Russia has a history of attempting to annex other countries. I think there was Georgia in 2011. Um, They control a part of Moldova called Transnistria. They've got about 5,000 troops right now, and they're they're not going to leave that part of Moldova. Um, But Moldovans can't go there. Uh, Ukrainians can't go there. It is controlled by the Russian military. And so Russia has a history of aggression, but I think it's just the final step of, okay, they annexed Crimea, and then they tried a full-scale invasion of the entire country, which failed, thankfully, uh, because of the, the 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 courage and defense of the Ukrainian military. But when F- Finland and Sweden saw that Russia was actually trying to overthrow the government, then that that made them nervous.
0: Yeah, obviously Crimea was annexed in 2014, and the entire world did nothing. So Russia obviously saw that, saw the actions of political leaders like Donald Trump, and then I think just kind of assumed that Joe Biden would be as similarly as easy to kind of steamroll and not have to worry about him backing Ukraine, and that, that didn't happen. The United States has spent billions of dollars in military aid to Ukraine. Uh, other countries have too, like the UK um, and other European allies. Um, so, so it's this. It,
1: it's I think like like you said, Russia saw three U.S. administrations that did nothing: Obama in 2014 through 2016, and then Trump from 16 to 20, and then Biden from 20 until 22, when they decided to to invade um, with, with the full scale invasion. So, that, like you said, they saw three administrations that did nothing.
0: Yeah, they saw, I think, a perceived weakness in Western leaders and took that chance. But really, it just it invigorated the West, I think, to continue to expand, like, like we said about NATO. Obviously, the EU has been kind of talking, expanding with Ukraine and stuff like that. So, it's really just, I think... Russia has done exactly what they were trying to avoid because they saw the annexation of Crimea, uh, Georgia, and were like, okay, no one seems to care, so we'll just annex the rest of Ukraine.
1: Well, also, even looking at defense spending, leading up to, leading up to the full-scale invasion of 22, lots of European countries had actually decreased their uh, defense spending um, a lot of them were actually under the 2% threshold that NATO is requesting. Um, but actually, like you said, the complete opposite happened. Basically almost every country has increased their defense spending. And I think Poland is probably the biggest one. Um, they presidents, uh, the president of Poland signed a bill that increased the defense spending to 3% of their GDP. And that is, um, that's one of the highest levels in all of NATO, and more than double the number of troops serving the Polish armed forces, up to three hundred thousand, in, including fifty thousand in territorial forces. And Poland has been on a spending spree for um, defense equipment, specifically Patriots, um, and Patriots are the basically like the gold standard for air defense systems and uh ukraine has been fortunate enough to i think get two patriot systems um and that's really been able to help their civilian populations when russia's shooting ballistic missiles and um, hypersonic missiles into um like kiev and uh, lviv harkiv herson and the patriot system has done a fantastic job in shooting these these um, ballistic missiles down
0: yeah um i i'm not surprised that out of all the countries, Poland is the one beefing up their defense. I think we all remember the very scary day last year when like all of the news was like, Oh my God, Russia just sent like a missile into uh, Poland. And they were like, no, 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 it, don't worry. It was just a Ukrainian one.
1: Um. Yeah, it was a, it was a Ukrainian um, air defense missile and it, it, um it, it missed the Russian missile and fell down in a, in a farm in a, uh, in Poland. But Poland borders Ukraine. Poland borders Belarus. And Belarus was used as a launching point for people that don't know for part of this invasion. A lot of the Russian forces that were trying to take the capital went down through Belarus. So for Poland to be increasing their defense spending as much as they have been is is justified.
0: Yeah, and it wouldn't I'm not surprised in general that Europe is boosting their military spending. Defense Secretary Grant Schapps has said that the UK needs to be prepared for war earlier in the week, blah, 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 said the country was moving from a post-war to a pre-war world and that our adversaries are now more connected with each other. Mr. Shapps told Laura Kunzberg that the UK needs to be prepared as tensions rise in the Middle East.
1: And really that is, that that's a call to action for countries to get out of the mindset that we're post World War II and and really like start to prepare for what we're seeing play out in some of the ex-Soviet countries or the ex-CIS countries.
0: Yeah, you know, I think we're seeing tensions rise everywhere, obviously in the Middle East with um, Israel and Gaza with the Houthis and Israel also bombing countries like Lebanon, so there's just a that's like a issue that could uh kind of spill out of control. Um and that's part of what I think states like the US and the UK had been trying to do was to try to ease tensions, but we've kind of I think because of how we've been bombing the Houthi and stuff, I think we might have moved past that. Um, but we've also seen tensions with Russia and, um, oh gosh, not Russia, with China and Taiwan, or something could happen with India and China or, um, India and Pakistan. Like there's just so many hot button issues all over the world right now that it's not, I'm not surprised that leaders are saying this or that people in the military are saying, Hey, we need to be prepared for this. This might be coming because I think. It would be unrealistic at this point to expect it not to be.
1: Absolutely, I mean the the precedent has been set um, with with Russia already invading some of the neighboring countries, and Catherine, like you said, there's there's quite a few conflicts that are popping up around the world. Um, although aside from Ukraine and like Israel Gaza, those are the two really the large conflicts. The smaller yeah. smaller ones um, are. Are going are going to be what's going on in Azerbaijan, Armenia, and the the Houthis? Because the Houthis is is really a relatively small issue. The Houthis don't really pose a a threat to to anyone really in the area. They're just an Iranian proxy, and they've just been they've just been shooting missiles at ships, and that's that's not any like a, a military conflict. And so I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too nervous about the the Houthis at this point because they're they're relatively small.
0: It's more of I think their connections with Iran and mm-hmm. obviously Iran has connect reported connections to North Korea, to Russia. So like they're all interconnected. Um and I think just saying, "Oh, it's it's a small conflict." I I don't know if like that necessarily stops it from potentially like being a trigger for something bigger because we we saw with obviously both of the world wars it wasn't just like boom it was you know the assassination of one person started world war one yeah. so it's it's these events that in hindsight might seem small or at the time might seem small can actually spark something a lot bigger
1: that that is very true to look at to look at history to see to see to see that so it, so now that Turkish government has approved Finland's Finland's bid, what do you foresee – do you foresee any kind of um, blowback, or do you see any kind of response from Russia coming out of this?
0: See, I don't – I don't know, because it's like – we've already taken a lot of economic – like, sanctions against them and stuff, so I don't think there's anything they could really do to disrupt the economy. I can't see them obviously doing anything militarily unless they somehow launch an even stronger offensive into Ukraine, but even then, like, they're already failing pretty badly, so I'm not sure how much else they could be doing. Um, So, if anything, we might just get the standard sources report to the New York Times that Putin is angry this week, like, I, I I don't know if I'd actually see anything coming out of it. Because nothing really came out of Finland joining. Correct. I'm more and interested all, really to all see. All that came
1: out was very angry words from from Russian officials.
0: Yeah, exactly. So if anything, I'm more curious to see like what will happen, not that Finland's joining, but that like Turkey's beefing up their security whether congress actually approves the f16s to turkey stuff like that
1: yeah absolutely i like you said i think sweden is is going to be um i mean so strategically sweden does control the 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 gotland island um, and that's between, that's in the Baltic, that's between Latvia and Sweden. And so to get to St. Petersburg or from any ships to leave St. Petersburg, they have to go past that island. And so strategically, that is very important um, if there is to be a conflict, um, because Sweden does, does, can't, can't control that passage. Um, but that 800 mile border, that was really the, the, the key for, for Finland. So I think if there was going to be any kind of blowback um, or response from finland or sweden joining i I would have expected it to be from finland but like you said we didn't see anything because the russian military really overestimated their capabilities in ukraine and also it would be foolish for them to strike a a newly joined nato country because they they know what that means
0: yeah if anything i could see something happening like before hungary approves it and that could be like the reason that Hungary and Orbán like drag it out. If Russia okay. wanted to do something militarily against Sweden, but again, I don't, I don't think it, that would serve a purpose because they would do just. You
1: see, do you see any kind of um, straining tensions with the European Union and Hungary? Because Hungary currently is a member of the European Union, but. They're they're kind of like the the outcast at this point. Do you do you see that going anywhere?
0: Yeah, the EU and Hungary have kind of been at odds for a while, specifically because Hungary has human rights violations and stuff. The EU was like, "Hey, can you not do that?" and Hungary was like, eh. "Um." <laughs> so nice. I I don't nice. know how. Yeah, I'm I'm very eloquent. Um, I'm not really sure how what else they would do, because I know previously I think there had been sanctions where they had cut off funding and stuff. So if anything, I could see the EU continuing to do that. Or if there's maybe more pushback from NATO um, or pushback from countries like the United States, if there's something that Joe Biden or Congress would do. But if anything, I just think Orban going to be getting a lot of strongly worded emails until Hungary approves them.
1: I think Hungary is in a position where they're not strong enough to be independent from the European Union. Um, they were very reliant upon the COVID funding, and I think what you're referring to was the European Union was withholding COVID funding because yes, that's of what I'm certain to. certain um, certain w- withheld votes that Hungary was um, was withholding from uh, the European Union. And so I, I that was one of the ways that they were able to accept the Finland's accession to to NATO was they had that card of extra covid funding. So Hungary really isn't strong enough to be able to function along um alone, but also they like like geographically, they they're pretty isolated if they wanted to have a friend in Russia. They are pretty isolated because they are surrounded by other European Union countries.
0: Yeah. I think we hit on a lot of the main points, like the, the okay. F 16s Um Obviously, we talked about Sweden and the issues that Turkey had with Sweden, and covered Hungary and why NATO is being an important. That was, and a, that, was, was- that was
1: a really good point that you brought up was, was Sweden. It was a good point that you brought up with Sweden, like foregoing some of their like their principles of free speech for this collective defense agreement. Uh, that, like you said, like that just shows the the level of severity that the government is placing on this.
0: Yeah. So, I th- I think I'm good to wrap up here. If there's anything else you wanted to mention.
1: Um. No. I mean, like like you said, um. Like like all of this is kind of like wrapped into what's going on in Ukraine. So like that's why yeah. we keep on referring back to Ukraine, is that was the the that was the the launch point from why these countries then decided to say hey hold on we want to join nato
0: yeah which again russia didn't expect i don't know if anyone really expected it but i don't like i i don't know about you but i remember like january of 2022 sitting and hearing about how russia was putting all these soldiers at the border and all of the tanks and, like, my poli pressers kept insisting, no, 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 Russia's not actually going to invade. And I don't know why, but I was sitting there going, yes, they absolutely are. I don't I don't know what it was, but I was like, I, I don't know. It, it, it felt, like, so obvious that I think a lot of people went, they're not actually going to do it. But it was like, it was like, are you sure? So I think Russia had kind of gone for this kind of, somehow, element of surprise, despite literally putting... So much at their border um and that obviously sparked everything recently. I think everything that's going on internationally is shaped by this one big thing that's happening that we can't really do much about. Thank you veto power love you u n um so it's it's really kind of that interesting we didn't expect it, and that I think that was really foolish. Um, so these states taking preemptive measures to be like, no, 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 I think is actually a really smart move. So we'll see how that continues moving forward, because obviously I think, I'm not sure how much further NATO could expand, given the whole, the title is North Atlantic Treaty Organization. I don't know if there's any more north you can go. So, I mean,
1: I I think... I think the the next step is gonna be Ukraine and Moldova.
0: Georgia um, and Bosnia. Georgia.
1: But Ukraine is Ukraine would be the next step, but it it would make sense it would make sense if Ukraine was first admitted to the European Union. Because they can say, okay, hey, they're part of they're part of Europe, and Europe is uh, is um it borders the the Atlantic, so the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. So that like that's to me that would make sense if if Ukraine would be admitted to the EU first.
0: And on, with the ongoing war, they won't be admitted to either anytime soon. It would have to be after they.
1: And, and that's what Russia def- wants, though.
0: Yes, unfortunately. But want, it's, it's the reality. That...
1: Yeah, they want the protracted conflict where they always have just a little bit of a presence and and that just stops Ukraine, that stops Moldova, um, that stops Georgia from being, being admitted.
0: Yeah. So we will see where this takes us. Um, obviously, like we said, Sweden hasn't been formally accepted yet. We're still waiting on Hungary. And then I not sure with the final approvals that if, if, if officials in nato need to do it
1: um i think it's just gonna be ceremonial it's just gonna be ceremonial yeah. at that part we'll see at, at that point we'll see Jens stoltenberg um basically make like a big a big like conference where he'll he'll sign the paperwork and then they'll they'll raise the 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 sweden flag at nato headquarters um in brussels i believe and yeah. um yeah, so I mean, really, it's just waiting on the ratification from all the all of the uh, the countries that are part of NATO, and then it goes to the desk of Jens Stoltenberg.
0: Yeah, so hopefully we should have an answer on that soon. Pick up pace hungry. Um, but I think that's a really good place to wrap up. Uh, but before we do, here's just a quick word about our coloring book.
1: Yes. So the coloring book that we have is a book that we created last year, and it's got 30 different animals and facts about these animals. And it's the same book that we send to kids all around the world. Um, it can be purchased on Amazon, and it's a great way for kids to be able to draw and learn about these different animals. Plus, it also supports the work that we do. Um, so if you can, go on Amazon, uh, purchase the book, and uh, leave us a, um, a review. We greatly we appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you all so much. We also have other amazing um, products you can check out at our shop, which is on our website, which I link in the description below. Um, You can also check out our Patreon to help support the work we do here at the podcast. Uh, Also on our website is our think tank publications um, and our um, monthly newsletters. So you can check out the work that we're doing here at GEC um, and get more information um, all around on what we do um all over the world. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. Yeah,
1: well, on, on the uh, also I wanted to add a note. Uh, a couple weeks ago we were talking um a podcast and we we incorrectly um made a statement that Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell um had previously worked for Goldman Sachs and um we we that was an incorrect statement. Um so we want to um we want to retract that and Say say that that he actually has been he's actually served in a couple of different positions within within the Federal Reserve, but he has not worked for uh, Goldman Sachs.
0: Yes, we apologize for that.
1: But so anytime anytime that we do. Anytime that we do say something that is incorrect um, or we find out after the fact that it's incorrect or someone leaves a comment and points it out to us, of course, well, we're going to research it and we are more than happy to, to say, hey, hold on, we made a mistake. Um, we're not too proud to be able to say that because the things that we talk about are very important and we don't want to provide inaccurate or wrong information. Um, and so that was just something that I, I caught afterwards and I just wanted to to make it right and be able to say it on, on our show.
0: Yes, absolutely. So please, if you ever notice that we have misspoken or said something that uh, was in- incorrect or false, please reach out to us and let us know. Um, obviously neither one of us are perfect. We do research for these episodes, but none of this is scripted. So we don't always remember facts off the top of our heads correctly. So please just let us know and we will correct it. Uh, Absolutely. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, this has been GEC Important Talks hosted by the team at Global Education Connection. Um, You can check us out on our website, www.globaleducationconnection.org to learn more about who we are, what we do, and how else you can uh, best support us. You can also check us out on social media and and interact with our posts. Um, So, yeah, thank you all again so much for for listening, um, and we hope to have you back next week. Bye. Bye.